You're listening to the A Scully Cast, brought to you by www.ascully.com. And here are your hosts, A Scully and Sid Talk. <laughs> Sid Talk today is sporting a fat face with little raisin eyes. Oh my god! <laughs> I always have somewhat of a fat face but <laughs> she just told me before Thanks the podcast sharing to the whole today, world she's wearing a fat face with little raisin eyes yeah because i finally read an article the other day this is not the pre before the show discussion but it was because it was days ago so it's technically before but isn't everything until today so i read an article and i was like yes 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 it was a woman who has hypothyroidism and she says on a really she decided to write down everything that happens to her because people think she's full of shit so she wrote it all down and I was like the whole time I was like I could have written this and she says <laughs> I get like a fatter face and my eyes get little and da 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 and my fingers get full um feel like swollen and my feet and ankles are swollen and I can't concentrate and you know you feel like you're in a fog and all this stuff and I was like no one ever mentions the little eyes I mean <laughs> it's like because around your face gets so it's not even poofy. You would even say it doesn't look poofy to me. You look the same as you look every day, which is like, oh my you god. You always look beautiful to me. Oh my god. Even with little lie. fat little eyes and fat face. <laughs> little fat eyes. Little fat eyes. <laughs> I wish. I want them to be big. Every- I have big eyes. I keep thinking of a gingerbread I'm- man with those tiny little raisin <laughs> eyes, you know? It's like that, but remember, I'm super, super blonde. I'm naturally blonde, yes, to every man in every bar, whoever came up and said, so... That real blonde, yeah, it's really blonde. That's pretty clever. I'll, I'm telling you, it happened more often than <laughs> you would like to admit in this world. But I'm, um, I'm super, super blonde by nature. It's not bleach or anything, so my eyelashes are pretty much non-existent. Would you agree when you look at my eyes? I mean, you can see them. You can see them if you look at the right angle because they're very white. So I already have eyes that kind of smoosh into my head that look so, and they're but they're kind of big. But on a on a thyroidy day. They're like this, like little slits, like like the size of an almond, which they probably already are, and I don't even think about it, but... So thank you for telling the world. <laughs> All right, so... And here's another thing before the show that I was uh, thinking of in the car. It's not a discussion, but why isn't Johnny Dollar a television show or a movie series? I don't even know what that is. I know you don't. That's the answer to my question. Johnny... Hello, Johnny Dollar. Dun, dun, dun. It was a radio show from like the 40s and 50s. It's so, it's so good, and it's so... Johnny Dollar. Oh, the, yeah, Johnny is, Dollar. Is he trying to save get you this. some money? No. Well, I know. Get this. <laughs> he was an insurance investigator. Oh. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. It's really riveting stuff. But when you, <laughs> And he says, today, on the ticket, $1.45 for the cab, 25 cents for the, for the whiskey, and I needed it. You know, something like that. So he's putting in his receipts to his job. So it's not like he only spends a dollar back. a day. <laughs> <laughs> no, his name just happens to be Dollar, which is a good coincidence. It is. It's like, it's like Rachel Ray's $40 a day. Feed yourself on $40 a day. Like that's some kind of miracle. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Feed yourself on $40 a week yeah. sometimes. Well, anyway. How the, how the other half live. So, um, yeah, I was going to say it's Saturday, January the 31st, but it's not. And we're a bit late with this podcast. Um, so. Because I was the a judge for the debate tournament at the high school this weekend, yet again. Yes. And it was really fun. So, um, it is now February and we're doing this podcast. Uh, we're, well, we're going to do one today and then you're going to get another one in a couple of days. So, that's kind of cool. So, it is... Don't pretend. You hate it when we're off schedule. It makes your head want to explode. I know this because as of the other day, we'd been married 15 years. That was our anniversary Groundhog Day. And I know how your head works. Nice. We are off schedule. We are off schedule. We must get back on schedule. We must get back on schedule. We need to now. So, it is after the show number 361. The movie we're looking at this week is The Judge. It's a 2014 movie. Released on Blu-ray on Tuesday, last Tuesday. You can pick it up now. It's rated R. It's from our friends at Warner Brothers. And it is actually nominated for an Academy Award for Robert Duvall, Best Supporting Actor. And Sidtok, give us the synopsis of The Judge. Well, it is a father-son story. 
daddy issues, as we like to call them in the world that I live in, which I'm sure people would describe me as having daddy issues. Um, a lawyer who's a bit of a dick, and his dad is the judge who's a bit of a dick, and there's some family drama in the small town that he's from, the big city lawyer, goes back, and I would give a I will say this, that, uh, I don't, it's one of those hard ones about the story, because I was trying to think of that while we were watching it, because it's a lot of things, it's not just one thing, but I would say it's that, it's a father, father-son story, coming of age, but when you're already middle age, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, basically, old age and middle age, so we've moved out of the teenager father-son story. Like, as in boyhood, which wasn't really a father-son story, but it was like father, I mean a mother-son or whatever. Kind of the youthful son, and now this is the middle-aging son and the father. And, yeah, so... The judge, kind of something, when you look at the cover. I was going to say, there could be spoilers in this. Um, yeah. So if it's going to be hard not, not to. If you've not seen this movie, go off and see it, and come back and listen to what we have to say. Or go uh, see it anyway, and then listen. Yeah, so the judge... Um, I haven't. I didn't even see the trailer for this one. I didn't. The <laughs> only thing I've really seen is that cover. Yeah, I never heard of it. No. Uh, uh, well, I had heard of it because um, Robert Downey Jr. and Robert Duvall came on Howard to uh, to uh, promote it when it came out last year. Uh, so I knew that it existed. I just didn't really know what it was about. So I have to say, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Now, it's. When I think of, like, Oscar-nominated movies, and I do think that Robert Duvall was, like, at the... It's like... I don't know. He's got... There's something about Robert Duvall that gets me every time. He's, he's an excellent actor. And there is a scene in this movie, and it's a gross scene. You know what I'm talking it's about? gross human condition kind of scene. Which I was like, wow, that is... I've never seen anything like that in a movie. It's like... They're being, like, real. Like, this is, like, a real event. Usually you skip that kind of thing, don't you? Or just allude to it happening. But say this, here's a spoiler. He has late stage cancer and he's an old man. Right. He's doing chemo. And if as if as if a lot of us as a lot of us have taking care of an elderly person with cancer and other problems, uh the body doesn't always work the way it's supposed to. And sometimes yeah, in movies you just sort of elude to it and they didn't this <clears> time. No, they showed, and and it's a really it's a really heart wrenching scene. And yeah, a, you just also a funny scene. Yeah, it's, it's it's interesting. There's a lot of this movie that's funny. I found I I was like, this isn't going to be a funny movie in any way. It's probably going to be a seriously very, but there's a lot of humor to be had from just interaction between the brothers. You know, it reminded me a bit of it's not quite as funny as that it's supposed to be, but the one we watched the other week where mm-hmm. they all go back to the house. Um, this is where I leave you. Yeah, because you know. Spoiler. Can you Somebody feel, dies in this movie. Feel the, the vibe of the movies we're seeing. More of them are being. It's almost like it's almost like movies have grown up with us. When we were teenagers. Loads of teenager movies were coming out. When we were twenties and thirties. Loads of loads of movies came out about your eight twenties and thirties. Mm-hmm. Like that was the age of twenties and thirties movies. Now as we're in our forties, approaching the fifties, we're actually seeing. So I'm wondering if the age of a lot of the directors, which it does match up, yeah, and the performers that are of our generation, it's like we're all growing up together, and now we're getting movies where it's about elderly parents and you and. They're not afraid of not just the horribleness, but like I said, if you're taking care of somebody really ill, there is funny stuff. And it's almost like you all feel so horrible about laughing. And then you realize, like this scene, and there's already tension between them. So that's all, that's the layer of like tension on top of it. But then there's the, I thought there was, I thought actually it surprised me on a lot of levels, this film, because what I thought it was, it wasn't. Like at the beginning, I thought, oh, it's, this is what it is. It's like this son returns home. His dad's this hard-ass judge. You can never live up to him. Like, you know, and it's just going to be this drama between them. I didn't expect the what happens. Yeah. Which, you know. It's not like, a, like, oh, No, but it, but it was a lot of, uh, it was a lot of, oh, really? I thought it was going to be a lot less. Here's what a lot of it is. This. It's more about accepting that. Things are what they are. A strained relationship between a father and son that's been going on for 40 years, 50 years almost. 
isn't going to just get better. And that's what I like about it. It's not going to get better. What's happened has happened. How we feel is how we feel. It's not going to get better. We're not going to change the way we think. We're going to peel back a few layers and realize, oh, well, maybe we've both got it a little wrong. But indeed, we're not going to change. It's not a, like, open arms and let's all kiss and make up. It's it's more brutal than that. And yet, it's also more like, okay, we're just tired of being at odds. So let's just be people together. And I know this sounds hokey, but when you look at each of the different relationships, it's all very honest. Yeah. It's not rosy-colored La la la. It's not like you feel the arc going like, oh, all of a sudden they're going to have a big... Yeah, it doesn't. That's what I mean about yeah. being surprised. It doesn't use... it. The Hollywood formula's in there a little bit, obviously, but it went places where I was like, oh, that I didn't expect that. I didn't expect that. There was a lot of I didn't expect that. Oh, the, you know, the case that they get, they get involved in is yeah. actually kind of... It's quite complex and there's... Yeah. There's, you know, I, I kept having thoughts of, you know... Is this bad? Is this good? Like, you know, there was a lot of that tugging, you know, tugging at your conscience. Like, you know, is it, was this, uh, is this a crime or is this just vengeance or is this nothing? You know, there's yep. a lot, you know, so there's a lot to guess at and it kept me guessing and I just didn't expect the funniness and there was quite a lot of funniness. Just funny things said between family and Dax. The lawyer. I think he's place. the weakest part of the entire movie. Yeah, but I still thought. I mean, I feel like he lowers the movie a lot. I, don't, I can't help it. I don't find him very classy. Or there's only like one scene, maybe, where he he just doesn't hold up for me at all because he's too wacky, and I know that he's wacky, and I see that in every motion. And of the movie's his body. not wacky at all. No, don't, I mean, it's not a wacky That's movie. That's what I'm saying. But it he does lets have it life down. humor in it, like, right? But he lets it down. I think just by being him. And then by not holding up to everybody else. And I'm not saying Robert Downey Jr. is like the best actor in the world. Because I don't think he is. But because they develop all these characters as we see so intimately off. Like when they're before they make the movie. They really work at their relationships and stuff. You know and rehearse and all that. I can feel that. Whereas Dax guy I feel like he just can't help be uh, lower down the scale. And... You know. I think it was a really nice looking movie too. Oh like, yeah, very. Like he used natural sunlight a lot, I noticed, the director. So like there's a lot of like dark rooms. You know, like when you're in somebody's house, you get it around. Yeah, exactly. Room. And like just the light coming through the window, not actual lit. But not that shitty look like was in that one movie. No, it was, it really looked <laughs> real. It like yeah. it was like, oh wow, yeah, this is just like being in somebody's house. It's a little too dark. Can't really see everything. That's exactly how it is, you know. Especially the scene where they're in the basement, you know. Um it's it did remind me of that this is where I leave you quite a bit, like in the way it looked even. Um, well, it's very functional. It's, but it's always, yeah, and it's, it is always an interesting thing when, you know, it's been covered many times in movies where somebody dies and the family after all get back to the house that they grew up in or whatever. And then it, you know, they might have not been back there for 30 years because they live all over the country and then all of a sudden you're thrust into each other's and it's not the same. But it is the same. Yep, always the same. And when he drives into town, I'm telling you, I'm 47 and a half, almost. I've been away from my small towns where I grew up. I didn't grow up in just one small town. But we're talking small, like 300 people, right? 300 people in the town, 2,000 people in the whole county, 48 people are graduating class. I know every tiny, every small town reference you can make, I know it. Every rural Coffee drinker table, you know, everything. I'm, I'm there. I know it. The nosy gossipers, the people who will call your mom before you get home to tell her that you're on your way home, but she, they think that you're going to take the side road and you know that you, those girls have been drinking or whatever. And then your mom's standing at the door waiting on you because the guy up the road knows your car, right? I know it all. It's just strangers Wave at, waving. Oh my God. Waving at everybody. They're not strangers though. That's the thing. They just wave. It's like an, and I will drive back, and as I'm approaching, I'm about 10 miles, 8 miles, and I can feel it. I feel this, like, he drives into town, and he's like, <sighs> here we go. Here we go, you know? And I feel that, like this, like somebody's got a rope around my throat, and I won't be able to say the things that I would normally say. I am not able to just be myself because I never fit, 
right? So this might be the thing about people who leave and come back and have this react, this feeling of like, it's almost like you want to shake it off, but as soon as you get there, you fall right back into the same kind of, you met, gravitate to the same people, you feel comfortable in the same places, even though all you wanted to do when you were there was to get away. And I really think they captured that here. I mean, that was to me one of the best really realistic things that he had to get out, big city lawyer, and he's, you know, he's just halfway across the country. He's not like billions of miles away or anything, but meeting all the people that he knew growing up back, you know, a few of them, and the one woman's still in the bar. Which and, is very you know. similar to This Is Where I Leave You. They meet, Absolutely. You know, that's why I was like, wow, it's funny that we've seen these Because that's movies. real. Yeah. Like, I go back, and I know people who still work at the MFA office, you know, who've been there for 25 years, and I went to high school with them, and their kids go to the same high school, and uh, it's very, it, to me, because I'm, I don't know, I just... That was one of my favorite things of the whole movie was capturing that feeling. So let's move on to the cast. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. plays Hank Palmer. And, you know, he plays it in the Robert Downey Jr. way. Like, it, I mean, he's not. it's not like he's not played a character like this before. Um, I think it's a little bit different. I think he's... I think it's... I think... It, I think um, this is good that his character ha- definitely has an arc. He, there's yeah. A, there's a difference to the beginning version of him and the end version of him. Um, but that one's, that guy's still there. Yeah. So the guy that's the cocky, arrogant in the toilet with the other lawyer guy, that's the Robert Downey Jr. we all know as yeah. Tony Stark. Then you get the, you really dig down deep. There's a hurt little boy. There's a middle-aging guy whose marriage is failing there's the dad who just wants to be the dad so that as a dad you know with his little girl he's completely different yep. and, he has, and then he sees his dad who he thinks is going to be a jerk to his little girl and he acts different and so you, all those things all those different um layers yeah it's not just him being a dickhead all the time no and i think he did but i well, I was i think he did a really good job oh, yeah like, like at the beginning and it was intentional when he was in the toilet. I was like, oh, yeah. oh my God, I'm going to hate this fucker. He's going to be, what, it's the Robert Downey Jr. You know, you're going to hate oh, this character. Oh, you're going to hate him and then he's going to resolve it and then he's going to be all great. But then it was <laughs> a lot more subtle than that. And I kind of, I started to like him almost immediately and then ended up really liking him, you know. So it was a, it was subtle. It wasn't like, oh, here he is, he's an asshole, here he is, he's, you like him. It Why would you? End up, I don't. I don't feel like I liked him a lot. There was no. You didn't find anything to like about him, except that he's discovering himself. There was plenty of things along the way that just the way he is with his little girl, the way he is with the woman who, you know, yeah, is, you know, with his brothers. There just there was things where I was like, yeah, he's not just an asshole. He's you know, that he's an asshole and <laughs> yeah, he's a good. Well, he's not a good father, but he's you know. And talking of fathers, Robert Duvall plays uh, Joseph Palmer. And like I said earlier, he is Oscar nominated for this. And, you know, it's... How many Oscar nominations has he had? I don't know, but um, I really liked his performance in this. But I always like him. I Like, I've liked him for the longest time. You know, he, I think he'd, he's got that kind of intense screen presence, if you know what I'm saying. It's like he's 100% there. Is in is in the character, yeah, and I think that he he sucks the energy from everyone around him. And if if you're not strong enough to hang on to your own, what you're doing, he like in other movies that we've seen. What was the end that was like the racing one? Gone in sixty seconds or one of those? He was the Days guy in the fun. garage. No, no. Just more recent. Remember, he was the guy in the garage. Um, was it? Um, d- it was gone in sixty seconds. That wasn't it. I think there was another one. I think it might have been where he's the guy. Yeah, know. it was. Now, in that, he doesn't come off as well because everyone around him can't even compare. So his character is kind of lame. It's sort of like the rough old, you know. So in that, there's nothing. He's flat because everyone else is, can't compare. But in this, because I think Robert Downey Jr. is good enough. Mm. And that definitely, what's her face? But she wasn't even in scenes with him. Um, it's mostly Robert Downey Jr. with him, isn't it? And uh, D'Onofrio. Yeah. And they are very, they're right up there too. I think, um, as far as like co- commanding your attention, they may not be fantastic every single minute, but there are moments when they, you just, you're, they're, they're like real people all of a sudden, really powerful, real people. And nobody like, um, 
then when Dax comes along, that's when I have the problem. Because they suck all the energy off of him because he's not... I mean, he's always at that presence, Robert Duvall, though. Like, in anything I've seen. Not everything. That's what I'm saying. Like, in the movies where everybody else is crappy. You thought he was great in Gone in 60 Seconds or whatever he was in? Yeah, still, when he comes on the screen, I'm like, wow, he's... Yeah. No, that's in your mind. Because it doesn't make him good just because you think he is. Hmm. So... Sorry to break the news to you. (laughs) It's not in my mind. But anyway... (laughs) Uh, Vera Faminga plays Samantha Powell, and, you know, we've seen her in many What did I say after the movie's over? I'm in love with Vera Faminga. Yeah, she, um, she plays the old love interest of Robert Downey Jr. I really like her. I think her character was really, it was good. Like, she wasn't overly cool. Yeah, it was like... She was a little hipster-ish. That was the idea, though. But hipsterish in a way that she sort of would set the trend, and if some hipster person came to town and saw her... Then they would take that back to the big city with them. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, she seemed to fit for me, and I'm not yeah. familiar. Oh, absolutely. With, I mean, it seemed like she was a person who was there. And her character's like a whole person. She's not like some little crumbly girl waiting for, you know, old flames to come back to town and save her. She's a powerful in her own world. She loves it in her small town. She's not like the woman from... This is where I leave you because she was needy, like Rose. Yeah. You know, she she was needy and would get brokenhearted and did need someone to want her. Whereas this woman is more like, you know what? Take I can take you or leave you. I really can. I'm fine on my own. You are a bonus. And I really like that. I think she pulls it off really good. Um, Billy Bob Thornton plays Dwight Dickham. And he is like the... Uh, what do you call him? Prosecuting lawyer. Or the, yeah, yeah, prosecuting attorney. And, you know... Sit- He's the same as always. Don't try to big him up. He is, and I was thinking, you know, he also was with Robert Duvall in um, Sling Blade. So they have acted together before. Um, he is the same as always, but I like what he does. He commands my attention, yeah. but he also is very... There's no... Like in Fargo, there's something there because he's emanating a sort of... Which is what we saw him in last... Yeah, TV Fargo. TV Fargo, yeah. In this, he's wearing a very keen suit and he's stand, sitting straight up and he's being intimidating and he's being a smartass just like as the president in Love, Love Actually. Actually. <laughs> I was going to say, he even looks like Bill Love Actually. So he went from being... After he was done being president, he just decided to retire and become the prosecuting yeah. attorney. They should have given him the same name. That would be so mm-hmm. hilarious. Um, he's all right. Yeah, I, I liked him. It was a good choice for this, this prosecuting lawyer. And, you know, he, I bought this, the, you know, a, a lot of this movie is courtroom stuff. I mean, it's not a courtroom movie. Like, it's literally not in the courtroom the entire time. But there are a lot of courtroom scenes, and they live or die, don't they, by if anybody's, you know, not a bit bogus in there. So, um, Vincent D'Onofrio plays, he plays the other brother, Glenn. And uh, Jeremy Strong plays Dale. I think they both the exactly brothers. did. They were real people to me. The sort of like, it was more subtle, which was good. He's the older brother, D'Onofrio's the older brother, who was sort of the shining star, the sports guy, but now he runs like the auto body store and, you know, has two kids and blah, blah, blah. And you get that character... In a lot of things, but he's kind of bigger than life, and he's already—he's the bully of the town, and he's blah blah. Well, this guy doesn't—he isn't like that. D'Onofrio does him more like just on the down low. Yeah, and like you know, um, he's more like the guy that you knew in high school who was the star of everything, and now he's not, and he totally accepts that. Mm. <laughs> he's not like trying to pretend anymore, and I feel like he did a good job. I feel like it was weird though that he had like. A completely silent wife who was just there, and then these two kids. Yeah, they didn't the two, exist, did the they? The two teenage boys. One of them said something one time. Yeah, and he and had his arm around the wife on the couch. But yeah. I mean, you barely saw her. It was like she was an anonymous wife, you know. It and was, I understand that you have to make the story about the but, main people, but we didn't even need to see her really. I mean, it was kind of weird. But I, I guess it was just a visual that he's a family man. That's it. Like, uh, but yeah, they got nothing. And the other guy's fine. I mean, he plays his character is like. Um, mentally challenged. Autistic, I believe. Was it? Yeah. Not sure. That's what it said that. on that. Um, I just was reading a synopsis and it said autistic brother. I was like, well, well never that, explained could, it in that there, could just so. be somebody saying yeah. that. That doesn't mean that's what it was. But, um, and he was all right. And I got the right vibe most of the time. But, I don't know. He's very serious, that actor. Yeah. 
You could tell from... I mean, I thought this before we even saw him talking, but... Yeah, he was I mean, really... He was, in, he was into it. He was like, good. And I think he I wanted to... I think he was like, I'm in this movie with these... Yeah. And I've got to, like, really... You know, I think he took it seriously. That's how it seemed to me. Like, maybe a bit too seriously. Because D'Onofrio said to him a couple of times in the extra, like... You're kind of overanalyzing. Yeah, but if you're thinking about just in the movie, though. I even got the vibe in the movie that there were... It was... I mean, he worked for me. Like, yeah. I, I bought him as a person, and it wasn't exaggerated, like, you know? No, 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 no. It was quite that... subtle, like, yeah. yeah. So, I, I think he I think he was alright. Like, it wasn't, like, him overplaying it. Like, and they don't I'm, give I'm... him a lot of lines. No. But there's some important stuff, especially the projector part, you know? Yeah, but all he did was... See, the thing is, they talked that scene up for from his point of view, and all he did was stand up and grab mm. the thing. He didn't actually... Say anything. I mean, he wasn't focused. He didn't even on. look at his face hardly. No. So he was all right. And then finally, I'd put down Dax Shepard, who plays C.P. Kennedy, and he—I really like Dax a lot. I really like him, um, but I do feel that he was a little out of place in this movie. Yeah. I know they were. I feel like they wanted a bit of comic relief kind of deal with him, with his character, even like he's this kind of inept lawyer. He's not actually that good. He's just the lawyer in the small town, and he, you know, that's who people go to. And well, he owns the antique store, and upstairs yeah, he has like, his law. Office. Yeah, but yeah. that's who he is. He's just the, he's just the, you know, mediocre lawyer. You but he's not to. even that. He's Dax Shepard. Right. And I <laughs> feel I mean? that he was actually a comic relief kind of character, but you know, they needed so, the story, the way the story goes. Like the dad doesn't, the son, um, Robert Downey Jr. is a lawyer. Obviously, we've said. And the dad doesn't want him to represent in the lot in the court, so you've got to have this other guy. I mean, it didn't need to be Dak Shepard. It could have been a more serious guy, but I feel they were looking could for something. Could have been your Saul. <laughs> but even he's kind of funny. Like, he's... Right, but he's good at it. Hmm. I don't feel like Dak Shepard in some things is. I really like him a lot, but yeah, this he did seem a little out of place in this. I could think. I think it might that part would be better with somebody else in it. Hmm. Or he could just be better. <laughs> he can get he better. He is what he is, though, isn't he? Like, he's... No, I think he can get better. He's always got a funny tone to him, though, hasn't he? He's never super serious, like... Yeah, I don't... I don't I'm not a fan of that. I don't have a sense of humor, so... <laughs> so this is so directed... This is directed by David Dobkin, who actually directed the movie Clay Pigeons, uh, if you remember that. He also directed... No, he didn't. It was Tony... That was Tony Scott's uh, Tony Scott's film company, right? But Dobkin, oh, I thought Dobkin. he did it. No, I don't think so. Hmm. Um, he also that was did, a long time ago. He did Shanghai Nights, if you remember that. <laughs> yes, that's an interesting combination. And he also did Fred Claus, which was uh, yeah. I know you're talking about. Yeah, he did that too. So did I have enough for you in it? No, I had um. Vaughn, Vince Vaughn. Vince Vaughn, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, that's who it was. When was Clay Pitcher? Uh, just to, as a side note, Robert Duvall has been nominated for Academy Awards for Godfather, Apocalypse Now, The Great Santini, Tender Mercies, he won, Apostle, Civil Action, and The Judge, and he's only won. Did he not win The Apostle? For... Nope. Because he directed that too, didn't he? No, no. He only won for uh, Tender Mercies. Right, right. He is an amazing actor. I've got to give it to him. He really is. Um... And he's 84 years old and still making movies. Really? Yeah. Which is, you know, ooh, crazy. So, um, yeah, this guy, this director, I liked the directing of this movie cause, because it's a pretty straightforward-looking movie, first off. And the, but he seems... There's good performances there. I don't know if that's down to the director. I think so. The way he is... The vibe that we see after when we watch the extras. He's definitely into the acting craft. Like, and It's getting... like he's got actor studio going on all the time. Yeah. And that is down to the director because even Robert Duvall said, I've had directors come on the set and say, you better tense up when I say action. Yeah, he said that, yeah. Now, that's a different vibe than someone sitting around with you and letting you... Letting Maybe you try tell it him several times, because yeah. you can. Every single one of them said to him something that got into the movie. Her quote about mm-hmm. your dislike. It's like saw and sawdust. There ain't no point. You don't get you nowhere. She made that up herself mm-hmm. and put it in there. The brother D'Onofrio decided that he needed to talk about the parking, which is so exact. Like after they haven't seen each other from what we can gather, I think is like ten years or something, right? right? Yeah. Which is very similar to me and my father. 
Hadn't seen him for 10 years. The first conversation the other brother Just says is, hey, where'd nothing. you park? Mm. Uh, what? Like, and it's the same. It does. That's what happens. You don't just confront the person and go, so are we going to fix what's wrong with this relationship or not? Like, you just don't do it. You just start talking about stupid shit. And that was D'Onofrio's idea. So I think the director is 100% responsible for that. And I think that <clears throat> the style of the filming, there's nothing fancy about it, right? There's some really cool shots. There's like from the... The bird's eye view of when he first walks into the nursing home, which I find kind of interesting. You know, we're looking straight down at him coming through the door. Because it's a really weird thing to go into a nursing home where you know mm. the dead person is behind one of these doors. Like, you just know the person you love is now dead. There was also... It, they're just laying in here somewhere and nobody's around. And he kind of captured that weird And that's why it was really dark with natural lighting. But he also did like... Um, when the when the car was driving into the town at the beginning, it looked like a drone shot to me where it, where it was in right in... It almost I think it was like, CGI. And then it came up and yeah, went all... I think all that was CGI. I don't the know first how, part. how does that work? Because the first part you could tell was a backdrop, like a fake car. Oh. See, so it didn't look scheme. fake to me. It looked... Oh, it totally looked fake to me. I was like, why are we doing CGI, like, driving through a cornfield? Why? Yeah, why would you? For that shot. Because then you can blend it all together. But you could do it with a drone, just take it off and spin I it I don't think that's what it was. That's, I feel like that was a drone shot. I didn't see a CGI thing. Because, I mean, you would have had to build a CGI. It's not my imagination. You would have to build CGI everything. Was it? A CGI oh. Robert Downey Jr. CGI. No, you didn't. The background is what I'm talking about. It's green screen. That's CGI. But the car you just said, too. No. The background. He's driving. Fake car, fake background. And then they add the background and do the shot so that he looks like you're right up on his face. I don't know. I'd have to listen to the commentary and see how they did that. Because it seemed to me like it was a drone. But yeah, there was some interesting um, shots. And definitely some, like, artsy kind of photography. But then a lot of the time it just looks like a regular movie, yeah. So I like what he did with it. It was interesting because I was like, the, like the plot where I was kind of like, oh, wow, it's going here, it's going there. He, he was, he did try different things, you know. Uh, yeah, and he did do Clay Pigeons, right? Mm-hmm. Which I always thought it was a Tony Scott yeah. movie. And it was Tony Scott funded and everything. But was actually, it? I didn't see him on there. Yeah, Scott Free Productions it was. Um, right. So. Uh, Produced by Ridley Scott and Tony Scott. So moving on to the extras here on this Blu-ray. Let me grab it. And there are a few. Um, what there actually is, is there's a full commentary on the movie with David Dobkin. There's Getting Deep with Dax Shepard. Can you explain what that one is? Oh, my least favorite extra. <laughs> Where he's just being his smart-assy self, interviewing some of the stars of the movie. I found it quite funny. I know you do. Um, there's this is, also this is why you have a sense of humor and I do not. There's also a 30 minute inside the judge, which I actually really enjoyed because it it's was basically really... just a camera, <laughs> the camera, the uh, what's it called? <laughs> Never mind. Inside the judge. Oh, you yeah. mean like you mean like looking up his ass? <laughs> but no, it's not. It wasn't that. Uh, no, it wasn't the cancer. Um, I didn't mean that. Oh, my God. I just met colonoscopy. Yeah, because he did have colon cancer. But... Um, I thought it was prostate. He said colon in my colon. He said in my plumbing. And then in my colon, he said. Oh. Um, he said in my plumbing and my colon. In my colon. Oh, so both. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he had the full package. So um, inside the judge is really cool, actually, because it is them all sitting down on a couch, like most of the principal actors, actually, and with the director. And they're just having like a conversation about the craft of acting, really. I find it a bit pretentious, but I'm not in that world. So if I were sitting talking to people about things that I, you know, about drawing and art in the pretentious way people do, I would understand, because that's what it comes off to me as. And I, talk- I really enjoyed seeing Robert Duvall talk about acting. Yeah. Because um, he's, you know, I would have, I would like an hour-long thing of Robert Duvall talking about acting, like inside the actor's studio. I don't know if Robert Duvall's done it, but I would like to see something like that, because he's got a lot of stories to tell that guy. You know, he's been in a lot of movies. Um but yeah, you do get to see a little bit behind like the craft of people. And what I really thought was interesting was the difference in the way people handle the job of acting. Because like the way Robert 
Downey Jr. comes across is he's just very confident and it's just it seems easyish to him like to do this stuff. Whereas that other guy, oh yeah, he, he was like he seemed like he was you know trying to get all the information off everybody and kind of absorb all this acting talk. You know, it just looked like different stages of actors. And then Robert Duvall's just sat there and Robert Duvall, you know, he's like, you just my, do it. You just I mean, do you it. Go you there. Turn the thing on. You, you go there. You, you go be there. yourself. You. Yeah. Um, you know, what did he say about yourself? You amplify yourself or something. Like, you don't... Which is Like, in a scene, he had to get mad, and they're all talking about how to get there and blah, 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 and all their methods, and he goes, well, you just get mad. Yeah. Like, how would I react? And then you project you into this person. And then there are a bunch of deleted scenes with commentary by the director. You can turn that off, or you can have it on. Um... And this movie is like two and a half hours long, and originally the the original cut was four hours long. He said, he said. Um, and there are like thirty minutes of deleted scenes on this disc. Most of it, no, there there are some of them I would have liked to seen in the movie. You know, it's not one of them where I was like, oh, all of that's crap. Like, just uh, it's probably a good job it was cut. There was some good stuff in there. Couple, but the yeah. rest was. I mean, there was fun, some silly yeah. stuff like the thing where he's on the bike. It was yeah. Kinda, yeah. So, um, in conclusion, on the judge, what do you reckon? I think it's right up there, quality wise. I, th- I mean, I give it like eight out of eight and a half out of ten. Yeah, because I, I think quality and message and delivery and every, the pace of it. If I add it all up, and I'm watching, and you say to me when it's over, that was two and a half hours, and I'm like, no. And it's an interesting but story yet it's too. Super satisfying. Yeah, it's not like you know. I mean, um, I, I wasn't bored small by Small town it at all. son it makes good, yeah. but pisses off his dad, and then everything's, everybody's happy in the end, or whatever. It wasn't 100% what I expected, which I always like. So, yeah, I highly recommend it, too. And Robert Duvall, it, I mean, <laughs> I was like, oh, Robert Duvall's up for the... And I'm like, I was watching it thinking, Robert Downey Jr. is really good here, too. He was like, really good. You know? Like, and he's, you know, there's nothing for him, but, yeah, um... Robert Duvall, did you say he hadn't got an Oscar? He'd only been nominated? He won one, yeah. Right, he'd won one. Well, well I think he deserves another one. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, well, let's let them know, shall we? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I highly recommend this one, and so does Sid Talk. So, contest, you can go and enter a contest on aschoolie.com. We've got some Blu-rays to give away. I can't remember what it is. Just go and have a look this week. Um, and thanks to Warner Brothers for letting us review The Judge. Next week's review, which will actually be in a couple of days, three days maybe, is Alexander and the Terrible, Horrible, No Good, Very Bad Day. Uh, try and write that one down when you're doing a review hundreds of times. I was uh, tired. I have this thing that they've invented. It's really new, but Pasting. I'll tell you about it. God, copy-paste. I know, I know. It's a new technological advance. I've typed that about four times Why already. Why don't you just type a bunch of copy and paste Because I'm on it. different documents and stuff. Oh, I've done it at different times of the week. You can still copy and paste it. No, I just typed it. Well, then don't complain about it. Um, but yeah, it's a very long title. Don't bitch about it if you're not willing to fix it. You know my philosophy. There's my advice for the day. <laughs> so this, so we'll be reviewing that in a few days. You'll look out for that on Monday next week. And movie recommendations. I am going with on the on the, you know, obviously fits with this movie. Number one, my favorite Robert Duvall role, and that is Apocalypse Now. You cannot forget that scene on the beach. It is very, it's disturbing. You know, you know when the big explosion goes off behind him and he's actually unfazed by it, completely unfazed by it. It always like shook me because he there's a napalm strike goes on behind him, like a big napalm strike, and there's not even a flinch from this guy, and it's this guy who's just been on the front lines. That is nothing to him, like, and it, and he just he just carries on talking as though nothing happened. And that was really happening. Like, he's just been... So, yeah, he's amazing in that movie. And that movie is an amazing movie. Um, I need to watch it again, because I forget a lot of it. Oh, it's fantastic. We do need to watch it again, because I like to watch it as many times as possible. Uh, and <laughs> I always recommend the director's cut of it. It's like... It's one of the director's cuts that I've ever seen that actually is better than the original one. Because it adds a whole new subplot to it that's about 30 minutes long, that's completely cut out of the original. And it's not just fluff. It's like a really interesting thing that they remove. Like, so I recommend the director's cut if you see it. Also, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, which is my favorite Robert Downey Jr. one when I was thinking about what do I really love him in? And it's yeah. that, you know, I love him in Iron Man, obviously. 
but loving. I, yeah, I really That's love a Iron Man. Word. <laughs> I mean, I love Iron Man, and I think he plays Iron Man well. But Kiss Kiss Bang Bang is an awesome movie. You, you really why is it awesome? It. Because it's weird. It's weird. Val Kilmer's in it as well. Yeah, and you were just reading about Val Kilmer recently, mm-hmm. <laughs> so he's got you got him on the brain and. It was Robert Downey Jr. when he'd just come off his drug thing. Was it? Yeah, and he'd, he'd come back into acting. And he was kind of wild. Do you know what else he's awesome yeah. in? Natural Born Killers. He's awesome in that movie. I, always, I that, that was... I can remember watching that and going, oh my god, this guy. Like, <laughs> I mean, most of the guys in that movie. Tom Sizemore in that movie. Oh, that's bananas, that movie. But um, yeah. I would recommend Kiss Kiss Bang Bang and Natural Bone Killers. Why not? <laughs> and mine are, uh, you reminded me of a movie that we have watched and reviewed and I have barely any recollection of. Now, you might say to me, well, that means you're not paying very close attention. But if you read the review that I wrote, it's quite in-depth and really, really good. And uh, I think I'll have to watch it again, to rem- or at least the first few minutes. But it's called Tomorrow. It is from 1972 with Robert Duvall. Black and white. To just a, it's one of his first it's movies. It's very of the vibe. If you've watched a lot of Twilight Zone and early 60s, late 50s television of that sort of like, you know, very dark, very bleak, very post-World War II existential kind of downer stuff. There's a lot of that. It's like that, but with that weird, delicate... From the what I wrote, I don't even remember it. I'm just going by what tomorrow, I wrote. Tomorrow, it was from the... It was the guy, Steinbeck, who did Of Mice and Men. Okay. It was one of Steinbeck's okay. stories, yeah. So, yeah, you've got the contrast of the hardened, kind of quiet, dark dude, and then this thing that happens. It's a and... similar kind of vibe to Of Mice and Men. It's just an, uh, an individual guy rather than a... Yeah. You know? And so that one's called Tomorrow, and the other one is To Kill a Mockingbird, because I love the quote in this particular movie... And it's got a similar, they take little shine from To Kill a Mockingbird where they're up in the gallery of the courtroom and it's an old-fashioned courtroom with all wood everywhere. It's not the new fangled where you walk in and you're like, this is a courtroom. It's like an office. It's mm-hmm. like a cubicle. It makes you feel like it's really unimportant for some reason. But in these courtrooms, it's like majestic. And um, one of the quotes in this movie is, everybody wants Atticus Finch until there's a dead hooker in a hotel mm-hmm. room. And then you want some sleazy fucker, right? And I thought that's exactly right. And so, to kill a mockingbird. True. So, uh, games and a scully stuff. Don't bother reading it. Ugh, it's just a book. True. <laughs> Watch the movie. No, you you can do do either. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so games and a scully stuff. Um, now this week a game came out called Dying Light. It's out on the next gen consoles and the PC, and. Um, it's by the people who did Dead Island, which I really disliked. It's a zombie game where you kind of wander around and you kill zombies and you have to stay survive. And I tried Dead Island and its sequel. Uh, it had two sequels, I believe. Well, you know, like spin-off games. And none of them I liked. And this game, Dying Light, is by the same people. And it's the same kind of story. In fact, it's just another take on Dead Island, but from the same people. So I was kind of in the mind of, I'm not going to like this because it's Dead Island again. And it is Dead Island again. Um, but they added something that made it really appealing to me. And what they've added is the guy that you play is a parkour guy instead of just being a guy. So, like Mirror's Edge, which is a game that I absolutely adore. It's one of the best games I've ever played. He is a first-person the um, free runner. He runs across buildings. He leaps between buildings. He does little rolls, you know. Now, in a zombie apocalypse, it's actually quite good to be a free runner uh, yeah. because, you know, you can jump up on top of a building, look down at the dudes. and Rick and Daryl could have used that a lot of times. Yeah. Um, so you might think, uh, the free running aspect of that it probably doesn't add much to it. It really does. It adds a lot. There's a lot of strategy you can use, like get up to the top of a building and you're completely safe Like because zombies can't actually climb that high. You know, they can climb up maybe one story. Well, and then... I thought you said some of them could. There are special zombies in the game, and, and what the special zombies are are the ones who've recently turned. Like, if they've turned within the last 12 hours, they're s- still partially human. You know, they've not right. completely devoid into the uh, slow, shambling zombie. They're more of a athletic kind of zombie. And those will chase you. 
And at night time in this game, it has a full day and night cycle. But when it gets to night time, there are super, super special zombies. And they're like big, big zombies, like the Hulk. And those you can't kill. So night time becomes this, okay, now it's time to use your free running skills because they're after you. And you've got to survive the night to get the bonus points. So the night time is more, you're not really killing stuff, you're just running. You're trying to use your skills to jump between buildings, maybe hide in a building. They'll usually keep coming for you wherever you are. So it's like this cat and mouse game. And it's scary as hell at night time because this developer aren't scared to make the game like really dark. So at night, it's properly dark. It's not like, oh, you can see stuff. Right. You can't see anything. In real life, if you go out in the dark, you can't see anything, right? If there's no lighting. A zombie apocalypse, there's no electricity or anything, so there is no lighting. So it's properly dark. You've got a flashlight that you can turn on, but turning the flashlight on has the unfortunate um, side effect of all the other zombies can see you, so of they course. all come towards you. So turning your flashlight on is the last resort. So... You're running in the dark and you can hear things chasing you. So it's it's just terrifying. It's with you put your headphones on and play it at night, it's terrifying. I think it's a fantastic game. There's so much to do. There's like loads of side activities. There's you've got to climb these radio towers to enable these radio towers so you can get more coverage of the area on your map. And climbing the radio towers is because it's in first person and it's like uh, parkour style. It gives you vertigo. You're so high up and you look down and it's like, oh, any second I could just fall off it. It's a fantastic game. It's uh, out now and uh, I recommend it. The other one we played this week is Game of Thrones Episode 2. And you actually um, played that one with me. Well, watched. You're the you're the um, passive. Watch. I'm the watcher. Uh, what did you think? Uh, I know we, we loved Episode 1. What did you think of Episode 2? Same. I think it maintains the same intensity. I didn't want it to be over. I think that the story is going well. I have a hard time sometimes following the intricacies, but they keep it pretty. I've never been into the whole crisscrossing politics of any story. You can ask me lots of things about Star Wars, even, and I don't understand them fully. Um, but, like, because I just don't can't be bothered half the time with having to remember every single name and every single reference of every single thing and then having... Ten scenes later, having that one person maybe walk past and someone say, oh, that's the song we're talking about. And they're like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. So I don't pay attention, I guess, hard enough. But in this, I get it. It, it acts just like the show, doesn't it? It does. In, in its presentation and it's uh, the way the story is presented. very dramatic. And yeah. it makes me just like what the show does. It makes me think about the nature of human existence. Just yeah, like the Walking I mean, this Dead. Isn't, yeah, which, this uh, isn't a real thing, obviously, but it it's it reminds you of a time when humans were living without. I mean, you know, thousands of years ago, people lived a different way, and it makes you think about if I was a family on a plot of land and I had my garden and my animals over there, and I just sustained myself. But all of a sudden, the whole of the land has now been taken over by some dickhead who decides that I have to give them half of everything. And they just come to my farm and say it, and they take my teenage daughter because they're like, fine, if you're not going to give us half your pigs, then we'll take her. And that's a real thing that happens and happens now, happened thousands of years ago. And you think about how vulnerable we are to ourselves, to each other. And that's what it reminds me of. And even in this game, you think about it. Like, well, why don't they just tell him fuck off? Well, when he does, the ramifications are you've touched this prickhead's ego. I'm sorry, but men are horrible. They really are. I love you. And that's fine. But, and you're probably not one of them. Horrible versions of your whatever you are. <laughs> you're not your own. <laughs> you're not your own species, but you're pretty close because, and I know women can be terrible, but the way that you think about it, you know, when you really think about it, that over here is this guy and he wants this over here. So he decides just to fucking kill everybody. Or intimidate oh, everybody, yeah. yeah. And for what, right? For what? Either an idea or some more stuff. Yeah. Usually the starving person, in some situations, would at least want to compromise with another person to get some help. Right? But when you're just a fucking bully, all you want is to bully. To take 
And that is it. And that is what this game remind you know, kind of puts in my mind. And I'm in it. Like, when you're playing it, I'm totally in it. It's like I'm watching yeah, it's, a it, movie. And They do that well, totally. Yeah, with, really with well. With The Walking Dead, they do it. Like, it, it just feels like, oh, I'm just watching this, The Walking Dead. Like, I'm, this is another episode. And when you have to make choices... Sometimes it's obvious that the choice doesn't matter, and sometimes it's obvious that it will. Some are really important. And I like that, because some of them, your your action, it's never going to change the outcome, Mm because the outcome is always going to be the same. You know, like, that's always going to be the same, no matter what happened in the scene leading up to it. But the fact that you get to choose and feel like, you know, you're taking a little bit of control is... Do you you remember those um, storybooks? back in the day like when i was at school like at paperbacks where it was like choose your own adventure no you know it was like you read a chapter and then at the end of the chapter it said you know do you want to kill the queen or do you want to no. escape through the tunnel entrance and if you wanted to escape through the tunnel entrance you went to page 99 and if you wanted to kill the queen you went to page 32 and it was you made your own story basically like by, there was choices that's what telltale doing remember when i recommended to people just to watch the kill and walking bird and not read the book that's because i've never really been much see of a i reader. love those choose your own <laughs> adventures and i'm sure they still exist um oh but, sure but i really enjoyed them when i was a kid i was like oh wow i can make a choice that's amazing like the story is going to be different depending on what i choose here um but that's what telltale basically do and i really like in this uh game of thrones how they introduce characters who you know from the show but they don't go overboard with it. It's just like Jon Snow's in this one, in this episode. But he's just in it, like... But it makes you feel like, oh, there's Jon yeah. You know, it, it feels, oh, this is important. Like, oh, there's Tyrion. You know, it, I True. like how they introduce them. They're not focal. Like, they, it do, the, the new characters are the, are the more important thing. But just having those people in there, it makes it feel like Game of Thrones. So... That is the games I've been playing this week. We also watched a movie uh, this week called Lucy, which is Luke Besson's new movie. What did you think of Lucy? Just I quickly? enjoyed it. Yeah. Just flat out, yes. You can be very, very, very skeptical, as I am. I can't help it. It's the way my brain works. And so I'm, I'm dangerous with the minuscule, almost immeasurable amount of information that I have in my brain about science. Like, it's, it's frighteningly small, right? It's very superficial. I watch science videos on youtube and i watch like <laughs> like you know the vlog brothers mm-hmm. all of their series of uh crash course and all that that means i know nothing but i think i know something and so when you're showing me a movie that is actually using just let's it's just a thread make of like it an movie idea. science yeah. now i can buy it totally if it's done in a way that i'm into and i was totally because i you know i love lulu and i love you know, I like salt, and I like any women who are sort of like... Lilo. Da-da. Lulu. Oh, yeah, Lulu. <laughs> and there's Lulu, Lulu Dallas Multipass. <laughs> who else was mm. I thinking of? Lulu. I don't know. <laughs> Lulu, I like her. What you And think? Run, Lola, Run. And I Hannah. Was, I was mixing them all together. And Hannah, yeah. So anything where you've administered some kind of science or even a f- mythology, you know, that is questionable... Have you questioned mythology? I don't know. I have my first part of my brain says, "Oh my god, that's so." Uh, uh. And then there's Morgan Freeman, who I'm not particularly that huge about. I know everybody thinks he's fantastic. I say take a step back and use your brain and think about it. He's fine, and in this, he was actually a little better than he has been in a few things. But overall, I really enjoyed the ride of it. So that to me, it's really everything it's, else. it's kind and of, and I really like her. So. It's kind of dumb. Like you have to put <laughs> that side. Yes. As, but as far as Luke Besson, the visuals are just really interesting and like amazing looking the entire time. Uh, Scarlett Johansson, I I like her more and more every time I see her. Um, the skin. What is it? In- <laughs> the <laughs> one we the watched skin. about the skin under, under the, the skin. skin. That really sold me on her. Like, I was like, wow, this is, that was an amazing movie. This uh, is, I think that's. You should a bit... recommend that one, Under the Skin. Yeah, I, I, would, I always recommend You don't that know one. what to expect, no matter who you are or what. If you're I'm becoming a big fan of her. If you're you listening know? to the sound of my voice, you will not understand how weird it is and how good it is. Don't it's have just any a really interesting, different movie. And Could you even get it somewhere, Under the Skin? Yeah, it's on Blu ray. I know, but is it just anywhere? Yeah, it's everywhere. Is it Redbox? Yeah. No. Yeah. It will it's be. not going to be in our red box in Jefferson City. I can't see why not. I mean, it came out on, you know, recently. Well, they don't have every movie. It's actually... <laughs> That'd on... be a very large box. 
Like really big. I think it might be on Netflix, actually. Uh, I saw it somewhere the other day, either Amazon Video or Netflix. Um, but I'm becoming a big fan of Scarlett Johansson. I think she's really good. And in Lucy, you know, Lucy's a Luc Besson movie. It's a crazy action movie. It's it's stamped with Luc Besson. You can mm-hmm. see it all over it. It's stylized. But I thought it was really enjoyable. And I said to you when we were watching it, we paused it to go to the toilet. I said, I just love that Luc Besson doesn't just go Hollywood. Yeah. His movies feel it feel European still. They feel even, international. That you you don't even know where to put your finger on it because no. it has a little bit of everything. And and you know, there's these famous you know Morgan Freeman and Scarlett Johansson, and then there's these other actors who are like they're famous really big stars in in France, France, France and, yeah, or exactly. Germany, and and they're there also. Like so, it's, it feels this like here's oh, the this weird is... here's the thing though. If you're in France, you know who Morgan Freeman is. You do. If you're in America, you don't know who that French guy is. No, that's sad to me. It should not be like yeah, that. Yeah, I should be able to. I mean, you can nowadays, obviously, but even on. Netflix, would I be able to go watch the latest French or would it be Men of Movies? Or is that Netflix France, where you could see all the latest French movies? And that is in Netflix UK and Netflix France, they cater to their own audiences. So, yes, they do have Hollywood movies, but they also have tons of their own movies. Right, but we don't. No. Well, we do. There's international Yeah, but it's not not quite as filled out as other countries. And I wouldn't even know what to look for. I'd have to look at the box office for what's the equivalent of... Europe's different Hollywood cities or whatever. Yeah, we know. If you go, if you look on the internet, like what's playing in Paris right now, well, there's. I would love that because I love you know me. I have no problem with subtitles, and in fact, these days people get really creative with subtitles. Like in even ten years ago, with Nightwatch. um, Yeah, Nightwatch and Daywatch. Um, really interesting where it's involved. They never finished. They never finished that off. It was a trilogy, and that third one never got made. That's fine. They're, they were good just for what they were. Yeah, but the first never, one was amazing. It was a, tri- a series of books. I always keep thinking, should I go and read that third book or will they finally make it? I don't, I don't know what, what will happen with it, you know? We've read Hunger Games. True, but it's still... When <gasps> I've seen game, movies... Game, player Game 1 or I haven't seen called. the movies already, though, you know? Gamer Play 1. What's it called? Ready Play 1. Ready. <laughs> Gamer Play 1. But yeah, Lucy's a fun ride. Just don't think too hard. When no, you're don't think too hard. If you know science stuff... Um, don't be a snot. Just let it go. But it's just really fun. Like, and just, it does make you think it's about something. It's got some a things. good heart. It's got a good concept. It's also super violent. <laughs> and I agree with the core concept 100%. So, yeah, yeah it's pretty violent. So, that's uh, my stuff for this week. So, Sid, what's for dinner? Tonight, there will be gluten free pasta, which we've found, we've got a couple of brands now that are fantastic. Yeah, gluten free really pasta. Good. I really like it. Um, but listen to the rest of the menu. Gluten-free pasta, homemade vegetable soup, which is like, as we saw today after it had been in the fridge all night, had like the barely any traces of fat. I mean, like dribbles on top because of the bouillon, the vegetable vegan bouillon I used had some oil in it. So there's that. Salad, right? No, no gluten. But no. then I bought. No gluten in lettuce. But then I bought regular, <laughs> regular <laughs> cookies or dessert because... I'm trying to decide if gluten is a problem for me or not. I don't know if it's salt or gluten, but there are days uh, that you will just... Small eyes, big Because you love me so much, you have love blindness. And yes, when I... I can't quite tell if it's salt that does it or gluten or whatever. I don't know what the hell it is, but it's something. Because there are days when it's... I mean, I'm still round and I still have a nice fat face, which I'm fine with. But all of a sudden... And I can't, I have to believe it's something I'm putting in. So I'm going to cut down on the gluten. And your advice? That's the same. My advice is don't be nothing. Now, that sounds harsh because that implies that maybe you are nothing already. (laughs) Now, you have to start from the premise in life that somebody somewhere loves you. Maybe someone right next to you right now, maybe someone 20 miles away or 50 miles away. But if you're kind of a dick and you're a bit of a jerk, maybe a little bit of an asshole, maybe a bitch, you know, and you're not, you don't make much of an impact except for this negative sort of cloud that's over your head all the time. That's kind of, that's something, but it's still kind of nothing. You know? Yeah. Like, I mean, if that's what you're known for, like when I think of certain people I've known, all I think of is, oh my God, she's just so bitchy. Like that's all she does. And there's nothing else. I think that's 
It's bad. <laughs> like Robert Duvall's character in this movie. Robert Duvall's character? Like... No, because he's something. He's been a judge and he's had an impact on people. He at has. least on That's what I mean. I know yeah. of people who I kind of examine their lives from a distance, judging very harshly. Um, and I think, what do you do? What do you... How do you impact except for being the snotty, bitchy... Do nothing, fix nothing, solve nothing, piece of shit. Like, you do nothing. You bitch and you bitch and you bitch. I bitch and moan about things, right? If I'm at work and something isn't right, and this is over here and it should be over there, I move it over there. If this doesn't work for everybody, because I'm dealing with 16 different people who we all have to follow, I work in a data center, so we have lots of procedures and it's very technical. Someone writes a procedure and they put it in a 12-page fucking document that all of us are like, ugh. And I think, you know what? I can trim that down to two pages. I can hand it to you who knows nothing about it. If you can perform that task, win-win. Okay? That's me. Someone else comes along. Oh my god. This is like so hard. This is so stupid. And I ask, what do you think we should change about it? <sighs> I don't know. Well, what, what could be better? I don't know. Right. Well, let's go through it and let's see. What can we change? We better not change it. Right, now that's a person who's, there's nothing there. Nothing of value to me. Not just in that circumstance, but then I amplify it and think, this is probably how they are all the time. <laughs> right? I'm, again, I repeat, I'm judging harshly. And I like to think that if, if and when I die, <laughs> if I die, <laughs> like, that's a possibility. No <laughs> when I die, there's, there's anyone left who's ever known me, even for a little tiny bit, that... Regardless of what the impact has been, that there's something more than nothing to who I have been in this life. Now, I'm not talking about let every one of your accomplishments be known and wave a flag every time you do something charitable, because that would go against my advice from last week, which was do something nice and don't tell anybody. That's fine. That's separate from here's the person I am. And by being me, I have an impact. I accomplish things. I solve things. I impart a certain change on a person or in their mind or like spark a flame in someone's mind about something they didn't think about before because you know what other people do that to me those people are something even if I don't like that person I don't agree with that person I have someone online that I went to high school well she was younger than me but we're so completely opposite we completely disagree on every every possible thing you can think of except for one and that is that her family means more to her than anything else, and so does mine. We agree on that. And then we kind of spark off each other, like, religious thing or a political thing, you know. And while we'll never agree, it makes me think. So there's something to her. She's not just, like, trying to hammer her, th her way of thinking into my head. Mm. And vice versa. So, this is a complicated one. Because you'll have to figure it out for yourself, but just don't be... Nothing. And if you think you're nothing in this old poor me, I'm nothing kind of way, well, that's just bullshit. You can get over that. Because you probably are something. In fact, <laughs> maybe I'm delusional thinking that I am something. Maybe I'm nothing. What do you think? Small, Have I had an impact small on you? eyes, flat face. <laughs> <laughs> that's something. <laughs> <laughs> if I were to drop dead from my fat face and small eyes right this minute, then that's what you would. <laughs> that's what I'm thinking about now. You'd be, you'd be sobbing when the when the paramedics come. Small eyes, fat face. <laughs> small eyes, fat face. And they'd just be like, "Did he kill her? <laughs> Is he crazy?" <laughs> so there you go. Don't be nothing. All right, so I'll remind you about our website, sayschoolie.com, sids.com. You can catch us on Twitter and Facebook. You can catch this podcast on stitcher.com. Go to stitcher.com, search for After the Show. You can catch it on iTunes, which is where most people seem to catch it from my statistics. You can also catch it on the Zoom Marketplace. You or just statistics, nice. Or just go to the RSS feed, which is aschoolie.com. Click on the word podcast. You can subscribe there. Email feedback to me at aschoolie at .com. Don't email Sid Talk. She doesn't care. And finally, stay classy, Mr. Robert Duval. Um, I don't want to be a downer, but probably not going to see that moment. Many films from him. I mean, he's eighty-four years old. Same with Clint Eastwood. I was saying earlier. And you're reminded of Clint Eastwood because he 
American Sniper. Yeah. Which yeah. we will be reviewing. The in a thing few weeks. is, though, think about this. You never thought that about Philip Seymour Hoffman, and he only had one movie left in him when I he did, died. I did not, and that sucks. Yeah, so don't think about it about the old people. Philip think about Seymour it. Hoffman died on our wedding anniversary, Last which we year. just had. Yeah. Yeah, we forgot to mention that Groundhog Day is our wedding anniversary. It is. It's been 15 fucking years. You look at it in my small eyes. Yep. <laughs> in my bad foot, in my <laughs> fat thighs, and I've been listening to your mm, so-so sense of humor and looking at your long ponytail and listening to your accent and dealing with your over-the-top cleanliness. This is marriage. Well done. This is marriage. <laughs> and I'm going to say, what am I going to say? I don't know. <gasps> you do know what I'm going to say. Think for yourself. Think for yourself or someone else will do it for you.